Hmm. Let's pray before we get started. Father, I thank you. I thank you for each and every person that's here. How much you love each and every one of us. I thank you for the calling and the potential that rests on every life, on every heart that's here. I thank you for calling that out. I thank you for bringing that forward. I thank you for growing each and every one of us up, maturing us and becoming the sons and daughters of God that you've called us to be, empowered by your Holy Spirit, and to go and conquer those places in your name, here and there, that need your light, that need your love, that need the truth. Father, I thank you that you make us ministers of your gospel. Your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. These last couple of weeks, uh, if you've been with us on a regular basis, uh, we've been talking about, thank you, Mom. Oh, yes. There's something put on my heart uh, before I get started with the message here. I know some of this might affect the kids and maybe it already has, but but if, if it's your kids too, there's a, and maybe it's not affecting you, but I think it probably has. If If you have been affected by this bug that's gone around, any kind of, transmitted illness. Anybody had something? Sore throat, nausea, fever, chills? Can I just get you to have, raise your hand? One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And if any of your kids, does that represent any kids here? No? Okay. Yeah. We're going to take authority over that right now. Amen. I, uh, do you know, it was probably four o'clock before, four o'clock in the afternoon, we were doing rehearsal um, at for, for Marsha's wedding, and that evening I just got hit with the sorest throat I've ever had, and uh, uh, gone the next day, <laughs> you stand in faith, amen, and uh, our, our kids, part of the reason they're not here is they're battling it, and they're going to be fine by the time I get home, Amen. We don't let that stuff stick around for weeks and even days. It's usually one day, and that's all it gets. And Someday it's not even going to get that. Amen. But let's take authority over that as a group. Father, in Jesus' name. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't have, you don't have to repeat after me. I'm sorry. But we'll, we'll just everybody extend their faith. All right? Father, in Jesus' name, I take authority. We take authority, and we yield our faith, and we believe that by Jesus' stripes, through the work that he accomplished, we call ourselves healed. And I speak to every virus, every bug that has affected and infected families, and even maybe those that it's been passed through right now, maybe they haven't even had any symptoms yet, but we curse it and we command it to die, and we break the root of it off of every single one of us, and we call our families whole, healed, and delivered of it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. That's, that's not fun stuff, and it's not God's stuff. Amen? Yeah. In Acts, it says, 
you know, Jesus of Nazareth, how he went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil, right? So we know where that comes from. And if you're a Christian and you, and you believe in Jesus, then you know where oppression and sickness comes from. And the root of it comes from sin. The root of it comes from Adam. In the beginning, God created everything. And he said it is good. <laughs> if it's good, it's from God. It's that easy. Amen. <clears throat> All right. But these last couple of weeks, we've been talking about hearing God's voice. And uh, I don't know if we'll continue that, but I wanted to springboard off of that last message because uh, we touched on something, and, and those three messages were all hearing about God. And, and we've talked about that subject before, but we kind of tackled it from a different angle. One of the most important ingredients that you need to cultivate in your life to hear God's voice is to have a heart that's after God to begin with. See, because if your heart is in a condition where it's in rebellion in areas or it doesn't line up with the word of God in areas, all of those things are closed doors that God can't speak through. Let's, and this is an easy example for us because we all believe in God and he's a healing God. Amen. I don't have any, I don't, and you all know that because you go to our church, all right? But to a, to a Christian that believes in Jesus, if they have been taught a doctrine, now they're still his child, there's nothing, but if they've been taught a doctrine that healing is not for today, okay? My dad, he, he went to a denominational church where he was taught explicitly all of those things have passed away. He was taught that tongues had passed away. It took my dad three years of examining the scriptures and listening to other people before he was finally persuaded. Everybody say persuaded. Before he was finally persuaded to agree that tongues is for today. And so even though the truth of God's word had been established for thousands of years, even though God may have been trying to tell him, hey, look, tongues is for today, he had to get an agreement he had to get on the same page with the truth before he could receive the manifestation of the truth. See? So if your heart is not in a submissive place, and we can have some place, some areas of our heart that are submissive and some areas that aren't. <laughs> I can remember this funny little cartoon. Um, and uh, I don't know who, who drew it, but, but this guy was being baptized. He was going to be born again, and so they were baptizing him in the water. And the preacher in this cartoon, they were baptizing this guy into the water. And he told this guy, now everything that goes under belongs to Jesus. <laughs> and so the next frame of the cartoon, you saw him underwater, but he took his wallet out and he stuck it up in the air. <laughs> and so his wallet, his wallet didn't get baptized. <laughs> now that's funny, but that's true. <laughs> Isn't that true? See, we, we like to keep God in, in boxes and in rooms. And then we have little areas that we handle ourselves until we can't. And then we ask for help. And uh, that's fine. Do you know God is never going to stop not helping you? <laughs> I don't know if I said that right. He's, ne he's always going to be there to help you, even when you didn't let him before. See? And this is what we see in this country a lot of times. You'll see an exodus of people out of the church when things are good. And then when they need God, they come back. And, the, and they live their lives that way. But they don't live whole lives. They don't live victorious lives. 
So a, a key ingredient in hearing the voice of God is cultivating a heart that is receptive and submissive to hear his voice. Because if you don't have a heart to do his will, guess what? You probably won't hear much about doing his will. Now, he might fellowship with you in rooms and in areas and in certain things. He may fellowship with you and talk to you about how to handle, say, family matters. Okay? He might fellowship and talk to you about how to, uh, how to deal with people you don't like. But let's say you grew up in a house where they taught you some principles about your own finances that you are your own provider. And now there's nothing wrong with some of these principles. But as a Christian, do you know that ultimately your provision comes from God, not your own ability? Amen. But if you, if you were ingrained and taught in a household where your, it's your responsibility to make sure you can take care of yourself. If, now look, if you've got a stronghold like that, it has to be adapted and changed and transformed to the will of God. Everybody say amen to that. See, because if you, got a trans, if you have to transform from one thing to another, you have to leave behind something and go into something new. You have to take something new from what God has called as truth. So if you would, why don't you uh, turn to chapter, uh, we'll go to Gospel of John, chapter 16. John 16. And I want to read this verse. John 16. We'll start in verse 12 here. And these is Jesus' final hours before the cross. And look at this verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Everybody say many. He doesn't say few. He says many. Now, I, I love the written word of God. We preach on meditating the word of God. We preach on putting it in your heart. There is a tremendous amount of truth here that it'll take most of your lifetime to explore, if not your whole lifetime, all right? But he says, I have yet many. Everybody say many. Many things. You know, God is infinite. He's big. There's, there's stuff that he's got that nobody's seen yet. <laughs> and it's all yours. Because in Christ, you're a co-heir with Christ. Amen. And it says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Okay. In verse 13, what's the solution to this situation? How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come? He will guide. Everybody say guide. Okay. The Holy Spirit is a guide. He leads. He doesn't drive. He doesn't corral. He is a leader and he is a guide. And evidence that he is a guide is on every corner of every street in every city in America. Because he does not force people into truth he guides people into truth the scary thing is is if you want your own beliefs in your own way he'll let you have it he is a gentleman he is you know when it says that he he descended upon jesus like as a dove 
It's an image and a symbol for you of the method of which he leads. He didn't come in as a gorilla. <laughs> he didn't come in as, as a, I don't know, some kind of bull. He came in as a dove. He doesn't force. He doesn't drive. He leads and he guides. Amen. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. And he shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine, and he'll show it unto you. Now look at this, verse 15. All things, all things that the Father hath are mine. Now, that's pretty all-encompassing, is it not? It's not 50%, it's not 70%, it's 100%. All things that God has are Christ's. And he's saying here, therefore said I that he shall take of mine and he'll show it unto you. He has come to lead you and guide you into all truths. There is nothing that God has withheld back from us. A little while and you shall not see me. And again, a little while you shall see me because I go to the Father. There is a sensitivity that God wants to put in every single person's heart to hear his voice. But God is not one to drag you. He can get your attention, but he always leaves your will and your choice intact. He will come and he'll present you with a choice, but it's still your choice. Amen. Let's go to, we can be turning to um, Matthew chapter 14 first. Last week we talked about the heart of David, how that David was a, he was a worshiper. David was not one that had theoretical faith, okay? In fact, there is no such thing as theoretical faith. Faith is not a mental construct. It's not just knowledge that you get from a book. Faith is not, I know what the Bible says. Faith is doing what the Bible says. See? So what's a good example? All right, I can read in a book how to fly an airplane. I can read about the dials. I can read about um, the physics of it. I can read about all of the instructions. But until I've sat in that seat and I've pushed those pedals and I've turned those knobs and I've felt the wind against the plane, I'm not qualified to take you for a flight, right? That is not working faith knowledge until I put it into practice. And see, you can spill out all of the definitions of faith. You can talk all of the, uh, the intricacies of the word and healing but until you go home and you put them into practice, you have not yet applied what you know. Faith is not theoretical. See, the, the question I used to think as a, a younger man, I used to think if you really had faith, sickness would never knock on your door. <laughs> no. Faith has nothing to do with circumstances. It's what you do with the circumstances. It's when sickness comes, knocks on your door, are you speaking against it or are you speaking for it? Because most people 
when circumstances come knock on their door, all they do is speak for it. They don't speak against it. And I would, <laughs> I'm just going to use myself. This is, where, this is where he's calling us to grow because we're supposed to have a heart to not only hear what he says, but to do what he says. And I'll put myself in this boat. <laughs> the other night when I got that sore throat, I'm just going to use that as an example. It was one of the worst ones I, I can remember having, maybe one other. And all I wanted to do, because you know, when my wife and I are sick, you know, and she, she, she was sick a, a day or two ago with something different, and we were praying and beating that down. And, but I got this sickness, and I felt so awful. And all I wanted to do when I was sitting there watching TV, <laughs> all I wanted to do was tell Natalie how bad it was. I just wanted, you know, I wanted the sympathy. I was like, you know, and we don't, we don't like play like babies, you know, but we tell, we say. You know what I'm saying? We, oh man, this is so bad, honey. <laughs> now, I don't cry or anything like that, but I just let her know, this, this is really bad. I've never had it. <clears throat> you know, and then I'll get the, oh, I'm so sorry. Can I get you? Yes. <laughs> I so wanted to tell her how bad this was. And every time I'd try going down that pattern of behavior and I'd try and, hey, honey, <laughs> I'd hear the Holy Ghost say, what are you going to tell her? What are you going to tell her? See, because you're the authority. We don't believe that, not really. You're the authority. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And that whole night, it was so bad. <laughs> and I wanted to say something. I wanted to tell her how bad it was. I just kept, and I felt it. I felt it. He says, you can't speak for it and speak the truth. It did Jesus die for this or not? And I wanted to say, well, I feel so bad. Look, do you want to be healed or not? <laughs> do you believe it or not? I kept my mouth closed didn't get to tell her I didn't say much at all except I'm pretty tired I need to go to bed <laughs> you know tried to let her know as much as I could without saying it I felt that check the Holy Ghost was checking me and so you can't keep speaking out both sides of your mouth in James it says a, a fresh spring can't bring out salt it can't bring out bitter water and sweet water can't bless and curse at the same time that goes for people. That goes for any kind of truth. And we believe healings for today. We got to speak it. And so I kept my mouth closed. You know the next morning. <laughs> I'm still speaking. Did I speak at the wedding? Could, can you tell I have a sore throat? See, I'm healed in Jesus' name. See, Because our voice and our heart has to line Our walk and our talk has to line up. Can't just be theoretical. And what we discussed last week was David's faith was not theoretical at all. I don't think he knew what theoretical even was. Um, I know I told you Matthew, but let's go back to, um, and it might take me a second to find it, but let's go to 1 Samuel. And I believe it's chapter 17. I, I, the more I look at David, the more I'm reminded of Christ because everything David said, he backed up with his actions and everything Jesus said 
he backed up with his actions. See, part of hypocrisy that has to be removed, even the tiny hypocrisies that have to be removed in our heart, are areas where we say we believe, but then we go do something else. And look at this. This was a young man. He wasn't an experienced fighter in the sense that he had ever been to a, a, an actual battle. All right, He had practiced his faith and, and following God, and he slew lions and bears. Okay? His faith was not in his ability. His faith was in God's ability, though. All right? And it was his heart, not his stature. I mean, all right. You know the story. This is, this is the kind of heart that's required. It's not physical strength. It's not, let's put it in today's terms, it's not who you know. I mean, even today. I mean, most ministers and ministries, and even I remember when we were in school, they, well, it's who you know. You got to pass out your cards. You got to make connections. You got to, I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But if, if the only way you're going to accomplish what God has for you is who you know, I mean, who you know is him. <laughs> That's who you know. He's the one. David, as far as I can tell, he didn't go spreading around propaganda that he should be king. He was tending his flocks. And God appointed him king. It doesn't matter what you drive, where you work. If anybody knows your name, if the heart's there, God will use it. He'll find it and he'll promote it. Amen. Amen. So first, first Samuel now I'll just kind of read what he said and then we'll go to what he did we'll start in verse uh, we'll start in verse 24 and all the men of Israel when they saw the man Goliath fled from him and were sore afraid now what was in their heart <laughs> and the men of Israel said have you seen this man that has come up Surely to defy Israel he come up. And it shall be that he, the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his father's daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? Now, now look at his heart here. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That's his way of saying this guy doesn't have any promise or covenant with God. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him and said in the man, uh, and the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. Verse 28. <clears throat> and Eliab, his eldest brother, heard, when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou hast come down that thou may, might seest the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? We'll skip down here to verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. Now, I, I, I don't know, put yourself in that guy's shoes. You, last week we did this. We won't do this today. They go through specifics of all of the armor and the weight 
and how that the spear was as big as a weaver's beam and it took somebody else to carry the shield. There was so much strength there, natural brute strength. And he says, I'll take him on. I'm just amazed at the heart that's in here. And, all right. Now, let's go through this, verse 38. This is man's wisdom right here, not God's. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. And also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor. And he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a script. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Now, most of our Let's just relate it to our life, all right? What we do in our life and how we plan to tackle our problems. When there's a problem arise, let's say it's in your finances, okay? Most of the solutions we come up with are how we put the burden on ourselves to solve the problem. With our own ability, with our own strength, through the flesh, we try and solve a problem. Do you know that, and what, what Pastor Tommy was saying during worship was so true. God does not get anything accomplished until his spirit moves. One of the things that I remember my church saying in Tulsa, they would always say this, they says, there is no such thing as ministry without the Holy Spirit. You, I mean, now that is going to take the rug out from underneath a whole lot of religion. But you can have churches, you can have buildings, and you can have people holding hands. But if the Holy Spirit is not moving, it's not ministry. Because ministry is God getting to work, not you getting to work. And see, we have tried to put revival on the foundation of our efforts. We have tried to put revival on how much armor do we have? How much money can we get together? There's nothing wrong with trying to bridge the gap and unity in other churches, but revival will not come just because all of the churches in Marshalltown are friendly to each other. Revival will come when the Holy Ghost is free to work in those churches, whether it's one or all of them. It doesn't matter. See, I like what Smith Wigglesworth used to say. He would say, I don't need 10,000 people praying. I need one person praying with faith. And it's the Holy Ghost's ability that we have to rest on, not our own. And I think this is what David learned because he had nobody out there. He spent all of his time worshiping and praising God. And when a threat came after this little boy, God was the only one there that was going to save him. And he says, I got this foundation on the inside of me. I don't know anything about those instruments you're trying to give me. I don't know anything about that sword. I don't know anything about that helmet. I don't know anything about that shield, but I know God. And I'll take him on. Now look at what he says here. (laughs) 
he came and drew near the Philistine, okay, and the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. All right. We'll start in verse 42. Skip ahead to verse 42. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of fair countenance. <laughs> so in, in a sense there, he hadn't quite yet finished going through puberty. <laughs> That's kind of what I get. I don't know if he even had a beard or even a starter, okay? <laughs> and the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his God, by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me. Now, stand there. Stand there in David's shoes. This, this is a threat against you. All the army, all, the, all of the strength, all of the might of this guy, tall, got all of the army, had been doing this his whole life. This is what he says. He's saying this to you. You tell me where your heart's at. <laughs> and the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I'll give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then, now if that's not the devil, I don't know what is. That's what the devil come and, comes and does to every single person's ground. He comes and tests it. The devil will take you off the planet if, he, if you let him. That's his goal. He doesn't want you here. He doesn't want the body of Christ here. He'll come and test it. See what's in your heart. I don't know if we'll get there, but we've talked in James. You know how James says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. What does it go on to say? Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways now I've never been in a battle like this not like this but I would guess now's the wrong time to waver <laughs> right now is the wrong time to have second thoughts you know this David was not one of those that talked a good talk okay well you finally got the king's attention are you ready to go fight <laughs> no there's no such thing as theoretical faith. There's no such thing as a mental faith. It is a fight of faith. Amen? Then said David to the Philistine, here comes David's heart. You, you got, this has got to be bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. It's got to be us. The word of God has to be us. If we expect healing to be for the masses, it's got to be in us. If the devil can come rob you of your healing... How much faith can you have for healing for other people? I know it affects me. See? Then said David to this Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. I don't come to you with that. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee. And <laughs> look at the call in this kid. And take thine head from thee, and I will give them the car I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Now look at this is a this is a one up on what Goliath said. He Goliath says, I'm gonna kill you and I'm gonna feed you to the birds and to the beasts. David says, No, you're not. 
I'm going to kill you. And not just you, I'm going to kill the whole army. That's what he's saying here. Do you hear it? I'm not just challenged. No, not just you. All of you. All of you. I knew he challenged Goliath. I didn't know he challenged every single one of them. Do you see that? He's, at this point, at this point, the entire Israelite army has been cowering in fear in those tents for weeks because of Goliath. David himself is the only one that is standing in faith and has a vision and a hope for victory. As far as he knows, they're still back there. And here he's saying, I'm not only going to feed you, I'm going to feed the entire Philistine army. Do you see that here? Look, we'll read it one more time. I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass, I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he, everybody say he, he will give it into your hands, our hands. I'm reminded of what Jesus said. You remember what he said in John? He says, I of myself can do nothing. It's the Father in me that doeth the works. So even Jesus, now he is our prototype. See, it's so opposite from the flesh because the flesh is always looking for what can we achieve more. And the whole point of the gospel is you can't achieve anything. How can we do more? You can't. See, until you arrive at the place where you believe that the flesh is futile in every way, that your own efforts cannot be enough. You have not yet come to this place where David believed, I can't do anything without God. I don't have a sword. I don't have a spear. It's not by those things. It's by the Spirit of God that's with me. And Jesus said the same thing. He, all of those works that he did, he says, I myself can do nothing. It's the Father in me that does the works. Our pressing towards the mark is not a pressing towards our achievement it's a pressing towards Paul said it in, in uh, Galatians 2 20 said I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me and the life that I now live in this flesh I live by the faith of the son of God See, he identified with his death that the life of Jesus might be made manifest there is a living kind of death that we're called to, that the life of Jesus can be manifest in our life. Amen. Now, this is, now he's talked a good talk. I don't think he'd be out there standing saying this if he didn't believe it. But this is, look at this. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. This is one of the most powerful pictures in the Old Testament to me. This right here. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose. Now look. Goliath says, I'm going to kill you. And David says, I'm going to kill you. And not just you. Your entire army is going to die by my hand. And, and the way I see it, that guy was sitting down. He says, okay. He stands up. 
this is one of the most powerful pictures of a heart that is set on the truth of the word of God. Gives no thought whatsoever to the flesh, to their strength. It came to pass when the Philistine arose, like he was sitting down, the moment he stood up, it says, the moment when he, the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted. Now that word just plain means he sprint toward him. The moment that Goliath stood up, it's like David took off sprinting right at him. If that's not faith that believes what it says, I don't know what is. That David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. That's such a powerful picture. I want to have that kind of heart. I want to have that kind of strength on the inside that I trust God that much. That I'm willing. And this is what the apostles did. They put their lives on the line to be, that they believed the word of God. They put their lives on the line. And you know what happened. But exactly what he said would happen did happen. See, this is the strength that you have from God. It's not in what you can do, but if you have a heart that stands in agreement with the truth, that it's his will, not your will, and it's so fully formed in your heart. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now look at this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Everybody say hope. There is no such thing as faith without hope. There is no such thing as theoretical faith. If we're going to receive the promises of God, there has to be a clear, lively picture of hope in my heart that what he has told me is going to happen is going to happen. If the devil can, through circumstances, get me to waver and disbelieve what he's told me, then he robs me of the promise that he's trying to give me. The devil is in the circumstances. The devil is what is seen. He moves things in this present world and tries to get us to disbelieve the truth. Look, no one was ever healed miraculously because they saw it first. They were healed by faith. Faith believes in those things that are not seen. It's on the inside of your heart first. Jesus was the very first one that came to this life with the life of God and faith to believe God for the, for the promises of God. And see, when Jesus came to this earth, there was no one else in his country that believed the promises of God and had a covenant with God like Jesus had because Jesus was his son, not just a servant. And so when Jesus was walking around, he had a connection with God and he heard things from God and he was the only one. He'd have to stand up in the midst of everyone and be a spectacle and say, this is not true. This is true. One of the most incredible cases of this 
I find, I take great strength from it is when he had to go and heal Jairus' daughter and they all laughed him to scorn because he says, she's not dead. He's, she's just sleeping. They were, not, they were not laughing by the time it was over. When he prayed, that girl rose from the dead. How come there was something, it wasn't because of what was seen, it wasn't because of, uh, uh, it was something on the inside. There was a picture of hope and a heart filled with hope and a trusting God that when I do this, he's, she's going to rise from the dead. And we are called to have the same works also. Jesus said, everybody say Jesus said, the works that I do, you'll do also. That's what he said. And he's called us to do those same works. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. What does that mean? That means if there's no hope there, faith can't give substance to it. If there's no hope, then faith can't give substance. Now when we read through that account of David last week and, and again this week, can you see the hope that was in his heart? That when he talked to his brethren and when he talked to King Saul, he was rehearsing victory. He says, the same thing that happened to the lion and to the bear is going to happen to this Philistine. I took them out and by the power of the Spirit of God, the same thing will happen to this guy. It doesn't matter. There was a crystal clear picture of hope and faith in his God. That when it met up against that challenge, it took it down. It doesn't matter what it was. See, if God be with us, who can be against us? And if you only trust in yourself, you're going to waver in that time of testing. But if you know him, there won't be any wavering. There won't be any, any test that the devil can throw at you. He can throw everything at you. And he'll stand there and you'll take it and you'll overcome it. Because you believe in your father. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I'm going to go to one more and then we'll be done for today. Go to, um, we'll go to Matthew chapter 14. I think that's where I said to go a while ago and I didn't go there. We'll end there. Matthew 14 verse 28. Well, actually, we'll back up. We'll start in verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear but straightway Jesus spake unto them saying be of good cheer it is I be not afraid and Peter answered him and said Lord if it be thou bid me come unto thee on the water In verse 29 he says and he said come now, is God all-powerful? Amen, yes? God all-knowing, yes. God, we like to think God can do anything, and he can. And is Jesus, God made flesh, he said, come. Jesus said, come, didn't he? Is that a word from God? As much as any, I can see. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. Now, this is the only guy I see do this. 
He walked on the water. Now, I love these verses. Though they mean so much more to me than they used to. They were just, just kind of a, a little neat story in the Bible. But, but this is one of the few times we see in the middle of a testing, in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a situation, someone receiving the promise of God for an instant and then losing it. And what's it dependent on? Is it dependent on God's ability? God has plenty of ability. Is it dependent on the truth of the word? No, the word is true. Jesus said, come. That means at that instance, when Jesus gave that authority, the Holy Spirit was ready there to perform the word that was spoken. And so when Peter came, did he come for a little bit? That means that from the power of God, through the authority of the man Jesus, and through the agreement of that in faith, Peter was receiving supernatural aid to walk on water. Do you see that? How that conduit completed? But the moment, in spite of the power of God, in spite of the truth of the word, look at this. But when he saw, everybody say saw. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And in the middle... I mean, you would think, look, this is me. I, I'm not, I've not walked on water yet, so I'm not going to judge Peter, all right? But you would think, I would think, in the middle of walking on the water, you're kind of like, holy cow, what is this? I think my faith would be increased, would it not? But he's already taken steps, and I don't know how far. I mean, let's just say it's 10 yards, and he's walked five of them. He starts to see. He starts to not trust the word so much. He starts to trust what he sees. Play this out in your head. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. He began to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased then they that were with him in the ship worshipped him, saying of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Now, Jesus is training his disciples to be people that can walk like he walked, to do the things he did. And we are called to do those same things. We're called to be his disciples too. And what I see here is a heart that is in the middle of being persuaded. <laughs> that there was some faith in Christ. But when that faith got tested, he began to lose sight of it. And you remember near the end where, Paul, where, Peter, where Peter gave his word. He says, if everybody here leaves, I'm going to stay. Do you remember that? They were, he says, oh, everybody else will be offended. You, I'll just stay here. I'll even die for you. And you think he meant it. I think he thought he meant it. <laughs> but when that trial came, he wavered, did he not? He wavered. He didn't stay that way though, right? And we don't have to stay that way. We can become fully persuaded that the truth of God's word is true. But it takes hope. Everybody say hope. I'll end with this. When I was a little kid, I can remember being so excited for Christmas morning and I had such a, and this is the weeks leading up to Christmas. I had such a vivid dream. I don't think it was from God. <laughs> I had such a vivid dream that my dad had bought me a BB gun. 
and that it was underneath the tree. And it was so real, that dream was so intensely real, I ran down the stairs, looked under that tree, and I thought I'd be there. That's how real it was to me. Because I thought, I thought it was there. That's what was going on in my heart at the time. And the Holy Spirit has always used that dream that I had, and he's always used that to say, that's how real my promises have to be. Because they don't start seen, they start in here. They start in your heart. And if you will form, and if you will give your heart and set your affections on things above, if you'll keep your heart with diligence, as Proverbs says, and set your affections on the promises of God, if you'll create a picture of hope that what you believe your father can do, he's ready to do right now, whether it's healing, whether it, those works have not gone away, they're here right now. He's still here right now, ready to do them. There's no predestined move we're waiting for. He's waiting for a heart like David, a heart like Christ that believes, see? And once that picture is so clear in us, it says faith is the substance of things hoped for. When that hope is crystal clear, faith gives substance and that thing comes to pass. Just like when David was rehearsing his victory to Saul and to his brothers, he says, they, this guy's gonna fall the same way that all these others did. I'm going to take the head off that giant. And it came to pass because there was no wavering in what the promise of God was in his heart. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray that you cultivate a heart of victory. I pray that you cultivate hope that we would give our mouths and our speech and our heart to the truth, not to the enemy, not to circumstances. And when things come knocking on our door and try and steal our health, our finances, and, and more than that, we're called to the world, not just ourselves. Father, when they come knocking on our neighbor's door, when sickness comes knocking on our coworker's door, we can come to them and say, I know Jesus. I know my God. And I don't care if you think I'm crazy. We can believe for healing. I thank you for such a crystal clear image of hope that the promises of God, faith will give substance to in our heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody say it. Amen.